0: Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship. So be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 132, and this one starts off almost sounding like this is not a great Thanksgiving message. Because it starts off with verse one, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. Sounds like we're going to be in for a lot of complaining, doesn't it? But here's the great thing we're not. But I think what we're actually given in this Psalm is an incredible picture. And isn't it cool? Have, have you guys been noticing how things have just fallen into place with the series? It's like we didn't have to deviate when we had Tony's memorials. Like the Psalm that we were on fit perfectly with his life. And this Psalm, that just is the natural progression, is fitting perfectly with the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So he starts off saying, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord, and that that doesn't mean he was being mean and nasty, okay? Meant he made an oath to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, saying this Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house, or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah, we found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into his tabernacle, let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let the priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. The Lord has sworn in truth to David, he will not turn from it. I will set up your throne, the fruit of your body. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forevermore. For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has decide, desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless his, her provision, I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout shall, shall, aloud for joy. There I will make the corn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. Lord God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this time of year when we reflect with even more thanksgiving upon your greatness, upon who you are, but Lord, also in the things that you've done and God we just ask that as we focus on the psalm this morning that you'd speak loudly to each and every one of us right where we're at so Lord God we are changed from the inside out leaving not the same people that we came in and we give you honor and praise in Jesus name amen so Lord remember David in all his afflictions why because it gives context for something greater Remember, Lord, David and the fact that he did suffer quite a bit. How many know David's life wasn't easy? Even though he was considered a man after God's own heart, even though he was anointed king, life did not go easy for him from the moment he was anointed. Because the very minute he gets anointed, the very moment God's blessing falls upon his life, everybody just said, Yay, David, right? No. No. Even the king himself raised up his own hand against him and tried to kill him. Of course, God had other plans. So, Lord, what we want you to do, and this psalmist here reflects on David, which I think is interesting because David writes a lot of the psalms, but not this one. Lord, remember David. And how he swore to the Lord amidst his afflictions. Okay, do you understand that? The things that we begin to hear David say here are not when the things were going good. The things that he begins to share, the psalmist is sharing with us about David, take place in the midst of being afflicted. And he makes an oath to God in the midst of his pain and suffering. And his oath was not, God, if you don't come through, I'm done with you. That was not his oath. His oath wasn't, God, if you do things my way, then I'll worship you better. No. Looking and understanding his afflictions better than anybody else, he stepped away from those things to make a promise. The kind of an oath that you would make at an altar when you say, I do, to the one that you love. He swore an oath and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, that would be the God we worship. And he says this, Surely, again, remember, amidst his afflictions, surely I will not go into the chamber of my house. Now, how many know that is your sanctuary? When everything's going wrong around you, when everybody is coming against you, at least that's the one place where he could go to gain refuge and gain security, right? Right? But what he makes co- my comment here is that even amidst everything I'm going through, even this one place I can go to for refuge, I will not go into that place and into my innermost chamber or go up to the comfort of my bed. Now I don't know about you, everybody deals with stress differently. Me, I'm what they call a golden retriever, if you have ever done Smalley and Trent's personality inventory. He kind of breaks people down into four types. There's the beaver, the otter, the golden retriever, and the lion. Okay, Me, I'm golden retriever. What does that mean? It means when I get under stress, what happens? I shut down like a golden retriever. Anyone ever have a golden retriever? They like to lay around. We had a golden retriever once, and that's exactly what he did. He just wanted love and attention and to sleep. That was basically his life. One day I had to change a light bulb. And it was just a little too high to reach from the floor, so I stud, stood on a chair, had light bulb in hand, got up on the chair, real easy, in out done twenty seconds. I go and get off the chair, and the dog has already decided to make the foot of the chair his bed for the day, and had already laid himself down there, only to have me. I was much lighter then, just let you, just in case anyone was wondering, okay. But I stepped with my full weight onto this dog. And his response was this. And then he put his head back down again and went back to sleep. Oh my goodness. (laughs) You know? That's me when I get understressed. Shut down. And I wonder if that's a little bit of what the psalmist is referring to here. You know what? I'm not, you know, everything's going wrong and I just want to shut down from this world. I just don't want to do anything. But he's making a point. I'm not going to go into the security of my home and the safest place in my home is my bed. I'm not even going to go there. And I'm not even going to give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. Until what? I find a place for the Lord. And then he goes on to mention, you know, a dwelling place for the mighty. Do we have that same heart? You know, as we're going into Thanksgiving, when you take a look at where it is that you're at in your life, the things that are maybe coming against you, the things that are maybe not comfortable The things that are maybe beyond not comfortable are actually painful. Is your greatest desire to not focus on those things, but to focus on God and making a dwelling place for him? Now, aren't you you glad we don't have to go out and build a house? Jim and Lori, aren't you glad you don't have to go out and build another house (laughs) you know, just for God? We are that temple. Scripture tells us that. The Apostle Paul shares that with us. We are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. So what are we doing to equip this place for the presence of the Lord? Or are we more focused on trying to settle this or trying to get that straightened out or trying to bring some peace over here into this situation? He's like, you know, if there's enough of that stuff going on, but I know my greatest need right now is just make place for God. Why? Why? because if I make place for God, everything else will happen. Everything else will fall into place. I'm not saying life is going to be easy. How many know that's not true, especially if you walk the Christian walk? It's full of hardships. But there's something of a sanctuary amidst the storms that happen when you make up residency for Jesus. And we know that when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he comes and he inhabits us. And you can't get more of God than you've already got. But with that said, there's something of the manifest presence of God in our lives. You see, we have the tangible presence of Him, but do we have the manifest presence? The kind of presence that will magnify. And you know what I'm talking about, because have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've worshiped at home, but then you come to church and you worship with a body? And isn't it different? Isn't there something of a, an exponential increase of his presence? Mm-hmm. Now, is there more of him in our midst? No, we just sense him more. And I remember many years ago, back in the 80s, when Promise Keepers, how many remember Promise Keepers men's events? Sorry, ladies, I know you never got a chance to go. But I had the chance to go to one of these that took place in a stadium. And I'll tell you, when you worshipped, it took it to a whole new level. You know, just because of the inviting of his presence into that place. And I'll tell you, you haven't lived until, you know, back in those days, Carmen was still around and he was singing and he had a song out and the chorus of it was, I think it was, the song was called Sunday School Hop on, I think it may have been his Revival of the Land album. And it was a real popular thing at that time. And the chorus of the song simply says, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And I'll tell you, you haven't lived until you are in something like Fenway Stadium. And all of a sudden you hear half of the stadium doing a call in response to the other half of the stadium, yelling this, those words, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? And then the other side responded, I love Jesus, and they responded louder. And it just, boom, you know, back and forth. And and. I'm not just talking about the emotional high, but there's something of the presence of God that fell in that moment. It's important for us to be amongst fellow believers. and Sorry, that wasn't in the notes. I don't know why I had to say that. You are all here, so maybe that's for somebody out there on Facebook land. I don't know. Um, get back in with the body of Christ. Yeah. You know, be around those who love you and who worship your God. But his ultimate goal was, I'm going to find a place for the Lord. I'm going to make room for him. So let us go into his tabernacle, let's worship his footstool. I want to just highlight some points here. Time is getting by real quick on us, so I'll try to move right through this as quickly as I can, but without rushing it. But let's understand that David's ultimate desire was he had an incredible zeal for God's presence. How about us? Where where are we at? Are we at a point where we will sacrifice other things just to get into his presence? Even some things that are enjoyable for ourselves, just to spend more time with him. David's life was characterized, as I said, by affliction rather than peace. But his commitment... Was not to those afflictions. His commitment was to Jesus. Was to God. David's priorities oriented towards the Lord, and his goal was to establish a permanent dwelling place. Are you a permanent dwelling place for God, or, or maybe your life just kind of like it's easier to press into His kingdom just when things are going good, and when things get bad, He kind of takes a back seat. That's not a dwelling place. A dwelling place means it's a place where the person stays that's right. all the time. And that's the kind of God we have. We have a God that's taken up residency within us. Now, does that blow anybody else's mind or just me? That <laughs> You've got the creator of the universe that says he can... You know, we had an old song from way, way back that said he's got the whole world in his hands. That's a great understatement. He's actually got the universe in his hands. That's true. And have you ever looked at the size of the universe lately? And you think about the fact that he's in charge of it all. But yet he chooses to live here. I, I can't, I know it, I know it here, but I can't totally wrap my whole heart and mind around it. Why he would do that. But the fact is he wants to. The question is, will we let him, Right? Let our zeal match what our mouth professes and seek to be a place where we wanted him to dwell all the time. His zeal was really expressed in his dedication. No matter what comes, I'm not going to rest until there's a dwelling place fit for Jesus. And then what you have is you have an appeal In verses 10 through 12, an appeal to God's faithfulness. Based on God's unchanging promise to David, as God's servant, we we read this. For the sake of David, thy servant, do not turn away thy face of thine anointed. The Lord has sworn to David a truth from which he will not turn back. Of the fruit of your body I will set upon your throne. No matter what things look like around you, you have a God you can trust. You have a God who is faithful in it all. Even when it looks like things are terrible around you, understand he has not stopped working in your life. And not sound like a broken record, but again, it's come back to this aspect. Realize there's blessings in disguise, right? That sometimes the things we think are actually bad are actually the best things for us. They're actually the things that are making us more into his image, more into his character, and those are actually things that he's allowing in our lives to help us move onward and upward into the fullness of all he has for us. Because as I said, his love is unconditional, but his promises require something on our part. There's not a single blessing in scripture that does not require something of you or of me. And some people might be quick to come back and say, well, no, I beg to differ because you know salvation is free and that salvation is a gift of God. <coughs> well, yes, it is. But is everybody saved? No. What's required? That I actually receive him. That I actually reach out and grab hold of him. Then eternal life is mine. He's done everything. He's done all the hard work. He's, he's made the way. He's provided it free of charge for us. But if I want to reap that blessing and that benefit, I must make a decision yes. to follow him. There's a lot of fallacies being taught out there, and it breaks my heart, especially when you go to funerals. And it I've, I've seems like they're getting more and more like this where you'll go and people will be like, well, you know what, they'll be waiting for us in heaven someday. You know what, They never. the person never made a profession for Jesus. And I hate to say it, but you know what, that person's not going to be in heaven by their choice, not God's. You must make a decision to follow him. You want to have the food, the clothing that you need, and do not be hemmed in by those worries? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? You do this. He has promised this. And you know what? He will be faithful. And he is faithful. But now here's the great thing. There's also that other verse that says that he will remain faithful even when we are faithless because he can't deny himself. Now does that mean that he's going to just overlook all the other stuff in our lives and he'll just pour out all those blessings? not necessarily he still requires us to move forward and upward with him just in the best way that we are able because anybody here doing it perfectly yet no the more the closer i think i'm getting the more i realize i am nowhere near where i need to be yeah. so our appeal is not on our own merits our appeal much like what we read here has got to be to God and to his faithfulness. Make the place for his presence, but then appeal to him to be faithful. Not that he needs to be reminded. I think sometimes we have to say it to remind ourselves how faithful he is. And then verses 13 to 18, we see, in fact, let's read that again. 13 to 18. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it, First dwelling place. Can I tell you right now, that's you. You are the new Zion for him. He desires you for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell. Why? For I have desired it. God desires, yearns, longs. How many here like chocolate? how many adore chocolate, right? Yeah, I saw a lot of you guys get really Pentecostal there, raising two hands, you know? That's the picture he's painting. He doesn't just want to be with you. He doesn't just like you. He desires you. And when we choose to follow him, when we choose to press in with him, and we choose to open ourselves up, His attitude isn't, oh, I'll be there in a minute. His attitude is, I was waiting. It's like he's waiting for that crack to come in the door, and he's busting through with everything he's got. That's the kind of picture it's painting for us here. I desire to dwell with you. And can I even add this to it? I desire to dwell with you, knowing that as long as you're on this earth, you're going to have afflictions, just like David. But you know what? Just know I'm going to go through it with you. I know that as long as you're in this earth, you will have trials. You will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. Amen. Because I've already come. I've paid the price. I've made the way. So now, yeah, you still have to go through it. But we get to go through it together. Thank you, God. Hand in hand. So understand this. When we seek God, seek much as David did, to build a dwelling place for God, God has just as much zeal to come in and inhabit that dwelling place. So wherever it is you find yourself today, don't let it be your focus. Focus in on him. And as you're going into this Thanksgiving week especially, I don't, again, I don't know about you, but it seems like whenever Thanksgiving weeks come along, it's just like, life goes stinky. And Thanksgiving days don't feel much better sometimes, right? Especially any of you that are in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. Can't wait for the day to be over. And then the everybody sits down they have the meal, and then you get frustrated because it's like you had to spend hours and hours and hours making that meal only to have everybody be done with it in 20 minutes, and then all they do is sit around the table complaining of how much pain they're in. Leaving the dirty dishes. And leaving the dirty dishes for you to clean up, right? Life doesn't go the way we want. And the, the words of a great friend that some of us have had, David Wright, deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it right? right? Just deal with it. it. It's just that's the reality of life. Don't expect it to be different. God told us in his word it's not going to be different. So let us just deal with it. But understand that in the midst of what we're going through, we have a friend that sits closer than a brother. Mm -hmm. We have somebody that is there with us through the thick and the thin, who, who hurts as we hurt. The same Jesus that was at the tomb of Lazarus. You remember that guy? And we think of, when you think of that, it's like, People immediately think about the, the screaming, Lazarus, come forth, and he comes forth. But can I tell you the greater picture? The greater picture is these two women named Mary and Martha, both of which who love Jesus, but both the first time they, when Jesus finally comes, it doesn't look at them and say, Oh, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. Their first words are, Jesus, had you, all, had you been here, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> I don't think they were rebuking Jesus. I think it was just an acknowledgement of a fact. Had you been here, this wouldn't have taken place. And then Jesus comforts them. But tells us that he wept with them. And even though he knew he had the power to raise Lazarus, he knew that the reason why Lazarus had to die, why he actually delayed his coming to get there, was so that that moment could be revealed where Lazarus would actually get risen from the dead. Jesus knew it was going to happen. He knew the Father was going to perform that miracle. But in the very moment that Mary and Martha are weeping, his attitude isn't, hey, just wait a couple minutes. It's all going to be over. No. He didn't take them out and transport them to what life was going to be like in just a few short moments. He chose rather to jump into the midst of the moment they were experiencing. A moment filled with grief, a moment filled with heartache, and even though he knew he had the power and that he was the resurrection of the life, still wept with them. And he still, even after he left them, as he approached the tomb, it tells us again that he continued to weep knowing he had the power and was going to raise him. He was so in that moment. Do you understand that's the same Jesus you serve? That the moments you're going through that feel hurtful, that seem painful, that seem full of affliction, you have a Jesus that even though he could, he could look at you and say, will you just get a grip? I've got it under control. I'm dealing with it. Come to my moment. He chooses rather to jump into yours and say, let's weep together. And let's walk out of this together. That's what it means to build a dwelling place for God. And so that when things are going on in our lives and life just happens, we find somehow just to bask in his presence. Just to bask in the reality that, God, you care. God, you love me. God, it hurts where I'm at. And God, I don't know why it keeps hurting, but it keeps hurting. You know? And I'm not just saying that to you. I'm saying because I'm living it right now. Sometimes you ever want to slap yourself, silly? <laughs> you know? And I find myself, even to this day, and it's like, and I know God's got all things in control, but it amazes me that now Dad's been gone for, it'll be a year. You know, it has been a year. There's a year last month. Mom's been gone now for four And it's around this time. My brother Tom's now two years. But it gets this time of year, and all of a sudden I feel the emotions want to creep in. Anybody else ever find yourself there? Just being real with you. Those of you watching, just ignore the blubbering idiot. Okay? (laughs) But I share this not for any sense of pity, but to simply say this. In the midst of the pains, you will experience, if you choose, You will experience the love of God and the peace of God and and the incredible compassion of God more strongly at those times in your life than you will any other time. You can know the presence of God, you can have an aspect of it, but there's something of his manifest presence that when your life needs it, he meets it. And he pours out in that. So that you can give glory, you can give honor, you can give praise amidst where you're at. So wherever you find yourself, take it from somebody, like I said, who's not just preaching it, who's living it right now. You can't beat the dwelling place of the Most High. I don't know how the world does it. I don't know how the world handles Going through life, and I guess that's why you know. And as Peter was even sharing, you know, about his doctor that committed suicide, there's such hopelessness in our world. Mm -hmm. Even in the best of times, even when you've got life happening for you, if you don't have Jesus, and that's why I tell people so many times, I'd rather go through the worst of times with Jesus than the best of times without Him, because it's so much better, you know. Don't just rely on him. Don't just press in when life is going good. Press in even more when it's going bad. And make the commitment like David did. I will not rest. Because this other stuff is trying to overtake my thinking. It's trying to overtake my mind. But you know what? I'm not giving up until I've reached that presence. And I've experienced that presence of God. And I know he's already there. But God... I'm not letting up until I, until I see your face again. You know, Do you have that kind of passion for him? If not, get there. And it's possible. Yeah. You know, But you have to want it. And we'll be happy to pray with you if that's a place where you're at and you're having some difficulty with that. Let us pray with you this morning before you leave. Amen. Well, Lord God, we do thank you today. We thank you that amidst all the stuff going on in our lives, there is so much to give you praise for. God, the fact that we live, that we breathe, that we even have our being, that, Lord God, as, as Peter said earlier, that, you know, the roof's over our head, the food's on our table, Lord. The relationship, the friendship, the church family that we have. Lord God, we thank you for it all and, and all the other things, Lord, that, that we so many times take for granted. But God, we also thank you for the larger things in our lives that you've, you've done and provided. But God, more than all that, We thank you for giving us you. We thank you for the fact that we know that when life is just happening, the way that life happens, that you're choosing to walk through it with us. You're desiring to dwell in it with us. And God, we just thank you for that. Help us to see you more clearly and to hear you more vividly in those moments than we ever have before. Help us to press in when the tendency is for the other things to crowd you out. And God, we will choose to give you honor and praise in everything, not just this week, but God, every moment of our lives, and we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain, where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.